0: Lane Lashley with us, brother. Appreciate you. Amen. Love you. Thank you for being here. You yes, come sir. preach to us. All right. Well, I appreciate you inviting me. Glad to be here.
1: And um, I am the assistant pastor down at Victory Baptist Church in uh, Stanton. Of course, many of you know our pastor, uh, Pastor Rader Ogden. Uh, this was his home church uh, years ago. I've heard stories about uh, him being here, and you guys being <laughs> with the young people, uh, Brother Rick. And so just, uh, you know, um, our church was a church plant out of this church. And, um, you know, if you still believe the Bible, I'm sure you do, right? Uh, the Bible is really clear on the churches starting churches. And uh, our church was a church plant out of this church um, almost 42 years ago, I suppose. The pastor's been there a little over 41 years, and we um, just everlastingly at it. And uh, Pastor is my friend, I, he's, he's my pastor and I'm v- grateful to God for him. Um, I came at the victory right out of Bible college. Um, gosh, it's been a while. <laughs> 2001, end of 2001. And was with pastor there for about five years. And then we went back to Tennessee for about a year and God, um, we answered the call uh, to pastor and so we went out to Illinois for eight years and um, and so look back on that and say, did we do the right thing? But the Lord was in all of that and uh, taught us so many things out there. And uh, the pastor called us, oh, I guess it was about uh, sometime in 20, uh, 2014 and uh, asked us about coming back. And uh, my other daughter, Rebecca, we have an older daughter, Rebecca, uh, she was having some terrible seizures. And, um, and so we were facing a, a surgery out there. And uh, at St. Louis Children's Hospital, we were real close to St. Louis, and we had been seeing the doctors there and a team of physicians, and uh, we had insurance all set up to cover all of that. The Lord had just opened all the doors, and we had 100% co-insurance, no deductible. Unbelievable how the Lord just opened the door for the insurance there. Now, all that changed after that surgery, so I believe the Lord just did that for us, <laughs> you know, and uh, I, bl- I still believe that to this day. And so we didn't pay a penny out of our pocket. For Rebecca to have uh, brain surgery, and they went in and did a craniotomy and removed part of her skull and removed all the scarring on her brain, and uh, she's been seizure-free since. Yeah. And so after that, we made the transition, and, uh, and so we, we're we grateful to God to be back in Virginia. We love, we love the mountains, we love the valley, and uh, we were just grateful to God that he led us back here, and honestly, um, I'm thrilled that God's got us where he's at. And uh, I'm thankful to be here, and thankful for your pastor, and so uh, we don't get to see each other very, very much, but every once in a while, I'm still a little bit bitter uh, about the softball game, <laughs> but uh, the Lord's helping me get over it, amen? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, I used to be real bad about that kind of stuff, but uh, the Lord's gave me grace, amen, and uh, there's a whole lot more important things in the world than uh, sports and those kind of things, and uh, I told our men, Listen. If we're going to play, we need to play to win, Amen. If we're going to play, we're going to play to win, and we ought to play to win. But uh, when you lose, somebody's got to be the loser, right? And uh, and so we we took it graciously. But it was a fun time. We appreciate the fellowship, and uh, we'll do it again sometime. But if you're if you have your Bibles tonight, I want you to find two passages of scripture, if you would please. And uh, I want to springboard off this uh, this verse in Philippians one. Philippians 1, so if you'll find that, we'll be there first, and then we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, and so Philippians chapter number 1, and then 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, and so let's just pick up reading in uh, Philippians chapter number 1, and uh, for sake of time. Let's, uh, let's pick up in verse number 19. Philippians 1.19. The Word of God says, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose I wot not. For I am in a strait for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. And I want you to look at verse number 27. The Bible says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I see, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, I don't know if your your theme for the revival, or your theme for the year is together, but Brother John told me this was your theme. I've been praying about this, this message and what he'd have me to preach. And if there's anything that we meet, need to be together on, <laughs> is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul encourages these Philippian believers from a Roman prison cell. Paul writes this letter from Rome, his first imprisonment in Rome. Uh, Obviously he wants them to rejoice, that's in the book, and he talks about the joy of his salvation and rejoicing in the Lord Jesus, but he he encourages these guys here in verse number 27. He says, "Um, whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, and then he says, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Striving together, laboring with. I looked up the word. It's uh, to wrestle in company with, uh, to, to seek jointly, to strive at the same time with another. It's that the expression is used twice in scripture. Both times it's used in the book of Philippians. One time it's translated right here like we translated it or like this passage translates it, striving together for the faith of the gospel. It's also this expression, this Greek word is used in Philippians 4.3, but it's also associated with the gospel. Flip over there, it's just just a page. Flip over there, Philippians 4 3. This is the other time this expression is used, striving together for the faith of the gospel. But he says in Philippians 4 3, and I entreat thee also, true yokefellow, help those women which, here it is, labored with me in the gospel. Paul says, listen, help those, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. It's the same expression, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So both times it's used right here in the book of Philippians of the two times that it's mentioned in the scripture. And both times it's referring in in the context of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we understand that the gospel is is very simply the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We understand there's, there's really only one gospel Now, Galatians talks about another gospel that's not another. And uh, if anybody's (laughs) preaching another gospel, which is not the gospel that's been preached unto them, he says, let him be accursed. There's only one gospel. It's defined in 1 Corinthians 15, verses one through four. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning verse number one, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I had preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. So Paul, uh, under inspiration of the spirit of God, says, listen, we are to strive together for the faith of the gospel, the gospel being the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so Paul declares, and in this passage of scripture that we just read, 1 Corinthians 15, he declares, he defines, he clarifies, however you want to say it, for us what the one true definition of the gospel is. And it is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus, uh, listen, plus nothing. Uh, It's salvation by grace through faith. No works attached to it. It's not through baptism. It's not through church membership. It's not through good works. It's not through how much money you can give. It's not because... Uh, you, you were born into a family that's, that's uh, got saved parents or grandparents, no. No, it's by grace through faith, individual salvation. And Paul declares that it is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ plus nothing, Jesus Christ minus nothing. The apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, 17, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now, is important, but not to get saved. Um, it doesn't wash away your sins. It's just an act of obedience, being obedient to the ordinance that Christ has commanded for us to be baptized. By the way, I don't know a good Christian that has been saved and uh, didn't follow the Lord and believers. Baptism that's doing a good job living for God because you can't even take the first step in following the Lord. But baptism has nothing to do with your salvation, nothing to do with my salvation. It's just uh, by grace through faith. So Paul says, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ is not Jesus plus, once again, but Jesus only. And so so Paul encourages the church here at Philippi. He says, listen, um, whether I come or whether I don't, whether I hear of your affairs, I want to hear that you're standing fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together, working together, laboring together, seeking jointly to wrestle in company with together for the faith of the gospel. I wonder how many churches are together in this matter of getting the gospel of Jesus Christ out. We ought to be together. Listen, this the main thing. And I forget who said it, but the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is so winning. I believe it was uh, a, a pastor up in Westminster, Maryland. I heard that from. I can't remember who it was, but that's really the truth of the matter. That, uh, the, the, the church of Jesus Christ, this local assembly uh, of saved, baptized believers has, has been voluntarily joined. They voluntarily joined themselves together. You voluntarily joined yourselves together to carry out the Great Commission. That's the mission of the church. You ought to be together. We ought to be together in this matter of of, uh, getting the gospel, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now go with me, if you will, please, to 1 Thessalonians. So what I want to get you to see tonight is that God's desire for us uh, in this matter of the gospel is striving together for the faith of the gospel. And as we look into um, Thessalonians here, 1 Thessalonians, really what I want to focus on tonight is, is I want you to see some hindrances to striving together for the faith of the gospel. You know, Satan's real good about putting roadblocks up. He's real good about hindering us from doing the work of God, the will of God, the purpose of God for our lives, for our church for our families. And so, in the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul, the Apostle Paul, the human penman, is writing under inspiration of the Spirit of God, and he, let's begin, let's just pick up in verse number 1 of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2. And the Apostle Paul says, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain, but even after that we had suffered before, and were shamefully entreated, as you know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanliness, cleanliness, nor of guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. Let's get more down, if you would, please, verse number 12. That you would walk worthy of God, who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye receive the word of God, Which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus, for ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews." who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they please not God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sin all way, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Look at verse number 18. Wherefore wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Paul Paul says here, listen, he says, listen, Um, Paul had the desire to please God. Paul, Paul had the determination, I believe, to please God. Paul had the right direction I mean, he was going the right direction with the gospel. That was the desire, to share the truth of the message of Christ. But he says there was a hindrance. He said in verse number 18, but Satan hindered us. The same Satan that hindered Paul and the early disciples is the same Satan that tries to hinder you and that tries to hinder me. I'm glad that uh, that they didn't give up. I'm glad that they kept pressing on. I'm glad that they kept fighting the good fight of faith. You know, just uh, back in Acts chapter number, I believe it is 17 and verse number six, the Bible says, listen, talking about that when Paul was in Thessalonica, he went to Thessalonica to, uh, and as his manner was, he went into the uh, the synagogue and he, he reasoned with them out of the scriptures. He preached Christ unto them. Many of them got saved Uh, And these Jews come in in Thessalonica. They were upset because people were trusting Christ. And he said, these are come hither also that have turned the world upside down. (laughs) I mean, you're talking about making an impact and and having an impact and making a difference. They made a difference. They had an impact because they didn't quit. They didn't give up. They didn't allow Satan to stop them from sharing the greatest message in all the world. And that's the message of Jesus Christ. Paul said, we desired to come unto you. We desired to to do that. but, But Satan hindered us. I like what Paul says in Acts 20, 24. He says, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Hey, Satan was all over Paul. Matter of fact, uh, Paul said, uh, listen, I've got a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. That didn't stop Paul. All those things that Paul went through, that didn't stop him. So he got to hold of this truth just as the early church got to hold of this truth that uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ was paramount and that they need to get that message to as many people as possible because Jesus Christ was coming back I wonder if we believe it like we ought to believe it today he's coming back friend he's promised in his word can't you just sense it I mean I can sense it I, mean, I don't know when he's coming back nobody knows the day nor the hour what just seems like it's going to be soon and very soon we're going to see the king. And the only thing that's going to get people to heaven is their relationship with Jesus Christ. They've got to hear the gospel and believe it and be saved. Paul says, tears didn't move me. Temptations didn't move me. Things didn't move me. He said, I- I'm not going to let the devil uh, get the victory and hinder me from striving together for the faith of the gospel. And he didn't. Listen, the devil desires to hinder you and he desires to hinder me from striving together for the faith of the gospel. Listen, he desires to deceive us. He's a liar, you know that, right? Satan's a liar, and he desires to deceive us. John 8, says, ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. 2 Corinthians 11, 14 says, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Listen, he is not who he says he is and he is not who he appears to be. And he... Just as he hindered Paul, just as he tried to hinder the early disciples in the early church, he's going to try to hinder you and he's going to try to hinder me from striving together for the faith of the gospel because he is a deceiver. He desires to deceive. He wants you and he wants me, he wants the church to think there's something more important than the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is nothing more important than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying we preach every message, the gospel, but we ought to somehow get the gospel in there. Listen, if you're at night and you're not saved, you need to get saved. Jesus loves you. The Bible says all men are sinners. Sin must be paid for. Jesus Christ paid for it on the cross of Calvary. God sent his only begotten son for you and for me so that we can have eternal life and go to heaven when we die. But yeah, he, he desires to deceive us and, and get us to thinking there's something more important than the gospel. He desires to detour us. 1 Thessalonians 2 17 and 18. We just read it. But brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered. Paul said, I, I wanted to come to you, but Satan stole us a detour. He's trying, to detour. He's trying to get us off track from we'll get back here eventually. But, but Satan desired to get him off track, to detour him. He, he tries to detour you and I. He tries to deceive us. He tries to devour us. Listen, he is against you and he is against me. He is our adversary. He is opposed to us. He's opposed to Jesus Christ. He is opposed to everything that God wants to do in and through my life. He desires to devour. He desires to destroy. He's a murderer. There's so much scripture you can put along with these things. But Paul, Paul said, listen, he said, we desire to come, but, but Satan hindered us. Satan desires to hinder you and he desires to hinder me from striving together for the faith of the gospel. Let me give you a few things tonight that I believe he uses to get us sidetracked there's some things that he uses to try to get us off track to discourage us from striving together for the faith of the gospel. And he's the culprit. He's the enemy. He's the one that deceives, that detours, that wants to devour, that wants to dethrone God in your life and try to get you off track. So a few things that the devil will use to hinder you and to hinder me from keeping us from striving together for the faith of God. Number one, it's the sin of discouragement. Listen, we live in a dark world. There's no doubt about that. Matter of fact, God told us it was going to be that way. Didn't he say, this know also in the last days perilous times shall come? I mean, that's that's literally strength reducing times. Man, have you watched the news lately? It's all over the place. It either kicks you off or... You get depressed about it. So just maybe we shouldn't watch it. Amen. Try to keep up as much as we can, but yeah, it's, it's 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 discouraging times. No doubt about it. Um, But the sin of discouragement, listen, Satan will use to distract us and to get us off course, to hinder us from striving together for the faith of the gospel. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Numbers. I believe we can illustrate this through... This passage of scripture, Numbers chapter number 21, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Amen? Numbers chapter number 21, look at verses number 1 through 7. The Bible says, and when King Arad, the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard Tell that Israel came by the way of the spies. Then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities. And he called the, the name of the place Horma. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. In other words, they, they were down and out. They were discouraged. The Bible says in verse number five, and the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore, have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, do you see it? We have... for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee, pray unto the Lord that he may, that he take away the serpents from us and Moses prayed for the people. What was their sin? Well, I believe you can go back to verse number four. The Bible says, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. I believe it was the sin of discouragement. The sin of um, speaking against the Lord which started with discouragement. So you know what's going to get us off track from striving together for the faith of the gospel? It's the sin of discouragement. Listen, we got to get our eyes off everything else and get our eyes back on Jesus. Listen, I've read the back of the book and we win. (laughs) Amen? That's an old gospel song. Gold City sang it years ago when they were a good group. I don't know if they're a good group anymore. But I've read the back of the book and we win. And so listen, don't don't let the sin discouragement keep you from striving together for the faith of the gospel. I read this fable about the devil. The devil was selling his tools, so he laid out uh, these tools one day before the sale would take place so that prospective buyers could see what was available and what the cost of the tools would be. There were tools like hate, and envy, wrath, and malice, and gossip, slander, lying, doubt, fornication, adultery, unforgiveness, pride, and a huge assortment of other tools that you could add to the list. But separated from from those tools was another tool. And there was two things about this tool. One, it was very high-priced. And number two, it was very worn and used. So a prospective buyer came by and he asked the devil, he asked the devil three questions. Number one, what is the tool? Satan answered and said, it's the tool of discouragement. The second question was, why is it so much more expensive than the other tools? Satan answered, it's more useful than any other tool that I have. And the third question, well, why is it so badly worn? Satan answered, because I use it on everyone and almost no one knows it belongs to me. Boy, ain't that the truth? Yeah, we want to, and I'm not a doctor, I don't, you know, get into all of that, but I believe a lot of things if we just give it to God and trust the Lord... And put our eyes on Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. Get our eyes off the world. We can be encouraged in the Lord. You know what happened to David back in in the Old Testament? David got back to Ziklag. Remember, he was getting ready to fight against his own people. And God spared him from doing that. And so he gets back to, to Ziklag and everybody's gone. Everybody spoke about stoning David and killing David, but you know what the Bible says? It says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. Everybody else was against David. All his army, all those fathers and husbands that had lost their families were gone. They were ready to kill David, stone him. David said, God, what am I supposed to do? and he goes to God, and the Bible says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. And by the way, they recovered all. God worked it out because God does that. Because he is omniscient, he is omnipresent, and he is omniscient, Listen, he's all-powerful. But what Satan does is he uses the sin of discouragement to get us off track from from. Getting the gospel of Jesus Christ out like we ought to. What are you saying, brother? I'm saying don't let the sin of discouragement get a hold of you. Don't don't allow God, don't, don't allow, excuse me, don't allow the devil to use that tool of discouragement to keep you from striving together as a local assembly. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. Matter of fact, Peter tells us in First Peter verse number chapter number four. Verses 12 through 16, he says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. I mean, we, we get difficult in our lives and if something bad happens and we're like, man, why is this happening to me? I didn't do anything. Perhaps God wants to use that trial in your life to, to strengthen you, to bring you closer to him to let you know that he is in fact God and that he's capable and able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. We're not going to understand every time. But God knows. So he says, think it not strange as though though some strange thing happened unto you. He says, but rejoice. Wait a minute. Rejoice in these fiery trials. That's what it says. But rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Later on in this passage of scripture, verse number 16, the Bible says, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. That word Christians used three times in the Bible, this is one of them, and it's associated with suffering. If yet, if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Listen, there's been many people in our world suffer to a much greater degree than you and I will ever suffer. I'm not trying to minimize your suffering. Please don't misunderstand me. You ever read the Fox Book of Martyrs? Yeah, I mean, there's people that literally were burned at the stake for their faith. John Philpott was one of those men. I don't have time to tell the story, but way back, 1553, when Queen Mary Tudor came to the English throne trying to stamp out the Protestants and bring the the Catholic Roman church back into power, a lot of the, the clergymen fled, but not John Philpott. I believe I read fourteen times they they tried to bring him before what they call uh, was this this open debate, and man he held his own. He used the word of God and the Scripture to stand strong in the faith. They tried to get him to recant. Uh, I said, "Listen, we're going to burn you at the stake if you don't recant." He never recanted fourteen times. I believe is what I read, and he never recanted. His opponents vowed openly to bring the stake, but at the time, same time, they sought to persuade him. Yet, yeah, it was 14 examinations they held. 18 months imprisonment. And on December the 6th, 1855, John Philpott was sentenced to death by being burned at the stake. The story went on to say the path was muddy and the sheriff's men offered to carry him. He refused, saying, I am content to go to my journey's end on foot. He knelt when he came to the place of execution and kissed the stake. Then he recited Psalms 106, 107, and 108. He was chained to the stake, and he died in the flame that mounted around his body. John Philbott didn't didn't get discouraged. Oh, I'm sure along the way some some he was discouraged a little bit along the way. I mean that's that's normal. Probably we all get discouraged at times. But do we get discouraged to the point where it keeps us from striving together for the faith of the gospel? We need to get our eyes off of ourselves and on the Lord Jesus Christ. So the devil will use the sin of discouragement to keep us from striving together for the faith of the gospel. He'll use the sin of disregarding the word of God. Go back to our text, would you? In 1 Thessalonians there, chapter number 2. I Hasn't mean, it been very easy for these guys to get discouraged. We read it in the first couple of verses. For yourselves, brethren, know our interest into you that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before were shamefully entreated. As you know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. Do you see? I mean, they could have very easily got discouraged and said, you know what? This isn't worth it. They're going to get saved, they'll get saved. No, God had a job for Paul. God had a job for the early church. It was to get the gospel of Jesus Christ to the known world at the time. So Satan uses the sin of discouragement. They didn't let it affect them. Satan uses the sin of disregarding the word of God. Look at verse number 13, would you? First Thessalonians chapter number two. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing because when ye receive the word of God, which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the church churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. Hey, these guys here, they, they were going through some of the same things that the disciples were going through because they had come to faith in Jesus Christ. But they they didn't disregard the word of God. Matter of fact, it was just the opposite. Paul says, we, we thank God. Also, we thank God without ceasing because when you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as, as it as the word of men, but as is in truth the word of God. I mean, they gave, they gave much validity to the word of God. They didn't, they didn't disregard it. They took it that it, it was from God. It was God's truth. It was God's word. And they gave great regard to it. By the way, we ought to give great regard to the word of God. It's a perfect book. It's without error. God's given it to us. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. But I think a lot of times in our lives, we get we get sidetracked and we get off course from. Striving together for the faith of the gospel by the sin of disregarding the word of God. I mean, the preacher preaches it over and over. You hear it in revival. You hear it in missions conference. You hear it at special meetings. You hear it in Sunday school. I mean, time after time, it's preached and it's taught. And time after time, some of God's people just disregard it. Deuteronomy 17, 18 through 20, talks about, I'll just read it to you. You don't have to turn there. Deuteronomy 17 says, and it shall be when he sitteth on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priest, the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God to keep all the words of this law and these statutes and do. This is talking about when a king comes into power. Verse number 20 of Deuteronomy chapter number 17. That his heart be not lifted up above his brethren and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom he and his children in the midst of Israel. The instruction that God gave to Moses for what the king should do when he assumed office was this. It was one of the critical assignments each king was supposed to follow. It was to make make for himself a handwritten copy of the law of God from the scrolls carefully kept and preserved by the priest. That's how much God thought about it. That's how much God thought, listen, this king needs to get his word in his heart, have his copy, so that he knows how to rule my people Israel. So that he doesn't disregard the words that I've given to him, the words that I've given to my people. It illustrates the vital importance of utmost priority that the Word of God should have in our lives. We ought to treasure, listen, this amazing gift that God has given us. We ought to read it, and we ought to heed it. Someone said there's five things that you need to do to get the most out of the Word of God. Read it, memorize it, meditate on it, study it, and live it. The word of God, listen, it is from the scriptures that we learn to fear God, to obey him, to keep his commandments. It is from the scriptures that we learn humility and learn what we need in order to instruct others to follow God. And so what what happens is Satan, listen, he's very slick, very sly, and he he wants to get us off track with this sin of discouragement. And and so when we get discouraged, we're not going to strive together for the faith of the gospel. He wants to use this sin of of disregarding the word of God. And when we disregard the word of God, we're not going to strive together for the faith of the gospel like we ought to because there's other things that are more important. Our own lives, our personal lives, our activities, our job, all these social things we get involved in. Now, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, let's not do it. The sin of disregarding the Word of God. And then lastly, the sin of drifting from a disciplined life. Verse number 14 tells us, For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. You know what? They were so disciplined that they followed right in line with what they were being taught by the Apostle Paul, by the disciples. And they didn't drift from having this disciplined life. I, I've got a younger brother that lives, uh, it's, it's called Oak Island now. You guys ever heard of Oak Island? It used to be Long Beach, Jopon Beach. I spent eight years of my life there. He's three years younger than I am. And this past summer, He's got an inflatable kayak. I guess it's a pretty good inflatable kayak. If you're going to take a kayak in the ocean, I guess it better, inflatable one, it better be a good one. So this past summer, he mistakenly drifted out into the ocean on an inflatable kayak and had to be rescued. He didn't intend on that happening. I don't know if he fell asleep or what. I don't know. But it happened gradually because he wasn't diligent enough paying attention to prevent it from happening. That's what happens. We drift off course from, from spending that time with God, from having that time in prayer, from asking God to give us a burden for loss, for praying for that missionary, praying that God would use us at our job to be a minister of the gospel. And, and all of a sudden, we, we drift from having this disciplined life, this walk with God. And we're right out there with the world where we don't need to be. And we're not going to have an impact that way. We're not going to make a difference that way. We're not going to strive together for the faith of the gospel and be effective if we drift away from a disciplined life and a walk with God. Someone once observed that a wasted life is really nothing more than a collection of wasted days. The difference between those who succeed and those who fail is not primarily in talent, but in diligent discipline and effort. Benjamin Franklin said, Dost thou love life? Then do not squander time, for time is the stuff that life is made of. Listen, the past is gone. The past cannot be gotten back or recaptured. But the pages of the rest of our lives and what lies ahead are blank and waiting for us to write on them. Listen, church, let's, it's God's desire for us to strive together. I mean, to, to, to seek jointly, to wrestle in company with, to labor with, to strive together for the faith of the gospel. So let's not allow Satan and let the devil Use the sin of discouragement, the sin of disregarding the Word of God, and the sin of drifting from a disciplined life to get us off course and hinder us from striving together and reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, who is it that you know that needs the Lord? Are you praying for Him? Are you doing what you can? Hey, we've got so much technology today, Brother John. I, we just ordered some things at our church. You guys ever heard of Brother Caleb Garraway? Okay, he's, a, he's an evangelist. He's been to our church a couple times, and he's made the gospel film. It's amazing. I mean, it's it's a it's about a fifteen minute video presentation of the gospel. I mean, it's straight down the line. And all you gotta do is scan the cue card with your phone. I mean, there's there's so many ways to to get the gospel to people effective ways, good ways. God's given us great opportunities. He's given us a wonderful responsibility. He's given us, we're obligated. Listen, the intent of God is p- people to get saved. That was the intent of the early church. They got a hold of that intent. And they made it their individual intent to get the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world because they wanted to strive together for the faith of the gospel. And what happened? What happened? God used them and God used that desire. Listen, fishermen, tax collectors, I mean, normal average people to turn the world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Same God hasn't changed. Same Holy Spirit can do the same thing today. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful church and this wonderful people. Father, we thank you most of all for the word of God that's the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path. Father, I know every single one of us have failed you in this area of striving together for the faith of the gospel, whether it be through the sin of discouragement, whether it be through the sin of disregarding your word and just making other things more important, whether it be this sin of drifting drifting away from a disciplined life and making other things more important than the work that God's called us to do. Father, I pray that you'd help me. Help me to apply this truth to my own life and to strive together with God's people for the faith of the gospel. Use me to be an instrument to reach people for Christ. At the grocery store, at the gas pump, wherever we may be, help us to never be ashamed of the gospel of Christ but to realize it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. God, would you enable us and empower us to be sensitive to your spirit To be led by your spirit, to be convicted by your spirit, to give the gospel to those that we come in contact with. And as a church, as this local assembly, to strive together for the faith of the gospel and not let Satan use these things as tools to get us off track from doing the most important thing you've given us to do. Move and work as only you can in this invitation. Speak to hearts. Through your word. Draw us unto yourself. We ask all these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? I think the pianist is going to play maybe a hymn invitation. We'll have heads bowed and eyes closed. We'll have the preacher come in just a moment. But as the pianist begins to play, heads bowed, eyes closed, let me ask you tonight Are you striving together for the faith of the gospel? Are you in tune with the Spirit of God? Are you following the Lord? Or have you given in to the sin of discouragement? The sin of disregarding the Word of God? The sin of drifting from a disciplined life and getting off track? Listen, don't don't allow Satan to use those things to get you off track. Won't you ask God tonight, perhaps in your seat, maybe at this altar, wherever you prefer to do it, won't you in your heart ask God to give you the ability to do what He would have you to do? To be what He would have you to be to yield, yield to his spirit, to be sensitive to his spirit as he leads and guides every day in our life. God desires to do that, you know. We had a fella come into our church. He'd been coming to our church for about six weeks now. We met him at the gas pump. And um, really, I, I was the one that invited him, and I really should have did more than I did at the gas pump to invite him to church. It was the, the church van with a name on the side that gave me away. You know how we get in a hurry and trying to get things done? And that was kind of the day for me that day. I, I just very casually greeted the man, was kind to him, and he noticed the church van and said, Hey, do you have anybody that that counsels at your church? I said, Well, our pastor's been there 41 years. I suppose he could counsel you. <laughs> Got enough wisdom. And so I invited him to church, gave him a track. He called me later that day and came in and talked to the pastor myself. We gave him the gospel. He hadn't got saved yet. He's struggling with some things. He's in his 80s. Says he just can't feel it in his heart, so we're praying for him. But you know what? I wonder if I'd have just ignored ignored him there and kind of went on my busy way. and, And listen, I've done it before. Many of us have. But I don't want to. I want to be conscious of the fact that there's people around me every day that need Jesus. And I want to strive together for the faith of the gospel and do my part. God help us to do our part. As the pastor comes, Father, I pray that you'd move and work in our hearts, draw us close to you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name we pray. Brother John.
0: Amen. Thank you, Brother Lashley. Boy, I'll tell you what a tremendous message and how, how practical It's real, it's practical, it's relatable. We've all experienced discouragement. And because of that discouragement, we quit being effective for Christ. Isn't it interesting how how discouragement works? We can have a life that is full of blessing. And one thing can blur our vision to all that God is doing for us. We've allowed discouragement to stop us. Uh, We thought about that drifting away. Oh, it's so easy to drift away. And whenever you drift away from the things of God and drift away from spending time in the Word of God, you lose that desire. You lose that desire to share the Word of God. That drifting away and the disregard for the Word of God kind of go together. Boy, I'm telling you what, what a tremendous message. I've found myself guilty of everyone, Brother Lashley. Found myself guilty of everyone. Boy, I'm telling you what. It is what God has called us to do. We need to be diligent going and sharing the word of God. Thank you, Brother Lashley, for the message. Thanks to each of you for being here. We're going to let Miss Debbie play through one more verse. If the Lord spoke to your heart and you want to come, you come. Mm -hmm. It's been good to be in the Lord's house Amen. each night this week. Thank the Lord for blessing, moving, uh, bringing the messages that we need to hear. Boy, I tell you what, the Lord has been good. We'll be back again tomorrow night, and then Friday night, It's a good invite friends and family, tell them to come on out, be a part of the services, and just see what God is going to do for us. Thank to each of you for being here. Brother Herman, will you pray and dismiss us? Great, Father, thank you for this time the to come and hear your word tonight, Lord. Thank you for this, Brother bring- each of our hearts that we be more faithful to you, Lord, and what we do, Lord. Father, we uh, search our hearts, Lord, that we serve you better. Father, we pray that you be with each of us tonight as we leave. Watch over us, Bring us back tomorrow night, Lord, and we thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.